morning, everybody. If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 with me uh, this morning, and that's where we'll be spending some time as we continue the series, uh, Heroes from Hebrews. Um, while, we're, while you're turning there, uh, last night I was at my cousin's graduation party, and you know, this time of year we got all these graduations, you know, uh, the graduation party later today, and it reminds you that the school year is wrapping up or closed, and summer's knocking at the door, and fun activities to come and time to relax and do stuff with your family and we look forward to it. But at my cousin's graduation party, I, I ran into my history teacher from high school and I was talking with him for a little bit. We started talking about Newark and we were talking about the different teachers that I had had when I was there and I ran into a couple other people that uh, I had gone to school with and it was, a, it was a good time and I started remembering the people that have been a part of my life during those couple years that I was at Newark High School. And it relates so much to today's uh, message. And I started thinking about how or the things that we remember people for, right? We, we'll remember people for their accomplishments in life, the things they get done. Um, so, for example, uh, in May, uh, Bree and I went out to Charlotte, North Carolina to see my parents. And while we were there, one of the afternoons, we went over to the Billy Graham Library um, and we were able to follow through the tour there, and I was just blown away as we followed through this tour. This, this man, God had taken this ordinary farmer boy and used him to do incredible things for the kingdom of God, right? And it, there could be thousands and thousands of people who came to know Christ as their Savior because of the ministry of Billy Graham. And uh, one portion of the tour, they did. A, there was an interview with him that they were showing on a screen, and he was asked the question, uh, what is it? What is it about you, Billy, that gets people to come and listen to you? What is it that uh, makes people connect with your messages so well? Why, why do people respond uh, when you tell them about Jesus? Do you have something crazy that you do? What, what is it? And Billy said, listen, it's nothing about me. It's not because I'm any special person. It's, it's none of that. It's prayer. God going before, God working in people's hearts. And, and what a cool testimony is this man would stand before hundreds of thousands of people at one time and share the good news of Jesus Christ that he would not say that, yeah, it was me, look at the crowds that I drew, but God did amazing things and God was at work and to God be the glory. But Billy Graham's going to go down in history as one of the greatest evangelists to ever live. He's going to go down as a man who counseled world leaders and presidents and uh, what a great testimony for the kingdom of God. But Billy, in, in many ways, while he wouldn't want it this way, he'll be remembered for what uh, his impact was on the kingdom of God, especially within the Christian church. People are remembered for their accomplishments in life. If you read through history books, you'll, you'll see records of people who accomplished great things and evil things and, and anywhere in between for their accomplishments. But another way that people are remembered is in the way that they die, right? Uh, for example, some of you may have heard of the name Rachel Scott. If you've not heard her name, I'm pretty sure you've heard of her testimony. Rachel was a junior in high school in 1999 when a couple of boys walked into Columbine High School and started shooting people. And later, uh, testimonies can have confirmed that uh, Rachel was approached by one of these boys. And before she lost her life, she was asked the question, do you believe in God? Uh, to which she answered, yes. And then her life was taken away from her at that time. Rachel was an ordinary junior girl, loved Jesus, walking with the Lord, hadn't done extraordinary things, but her testimony and her death, now almost 20 years later, still lives on. 
It's still something that's talked about, especially if you're involved in, in youth ministry in any way, shape, or form. Rachel is someone who's, who's uh, said, hey, look at her faithfulness. Look at the way that she stood for the Lord. And again, I don't think she would be someone to say, yeah, look what I did. You know, I think she would say the Lord is, is good. Um, Jim Elliott, if you're not familiar with uh, Rachel Scott, Jim Elliott was uh, slaughtered in the mission field uh, along with his missionary colleagues as he tried to make contact with the Alka Indians. And, and now his story continues on. They're remembered in the way that they die. So people remembered uh, the things they accomplished and the way that they die. And, and those that we're close with and we love, we remember people for who they are, right? Their personalities, their, the things that made them tick, you know, the, the oddities of humans, you know, and, and we, we enjoy those things and, and the who they are. But people are remembered and their, their legacies, you could say, live on well after their life ends. And today we're going to look at a man named Enoch. And the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot about Enoch, but if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11 with me, we're going to learn that Enoch in some ways is remembered for not the way that he died, but the way that he didn't die. Um, But let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 uh, right now. It says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the faith that you've given us. God, thank you for this time that we can open up your word and and the man Enoch. And uh, Lord, you didn't give us a lot about him, but we can still learn something from him and something valuable about you. And I pray for this time now that uh, you would encourage uh, each of us, remind us of the things that are important that you've already taught us and, and challenge us to move forward in a life living for you in your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. So Enoch, uh, this is almost the most we have of Enoch. His, his, uh, he's included in the genealogy of Christ in uh, Luke chapter 3. Um, in Genesis chapter 5, that's where we first see him and we're we're told Enoch was a man who fathered Methuselah. Methuselah, just fun fact, was the man who went on to live the longest of anybody, um, over 900 and I think it was 69 years old. Imagine that, right? That's a, that's a long time to live. But Enoch was his dad, and it says that he fathered Methuselah and then lived 300 years, and then the Lord took him. It said he walked with God. That's about it. So I joked this morning and said, you know, the, the sermon this morning is going to be, Enoch was a man who pleased God in his faith. He walked with the Lord, and then he was no more. So our lesson today is walk with the Lord, and then we could pray and end, right? Um, but I think there is a little bit that we can learn. There's not a lot on Enoch, but um, there's some viable lessons that we can take away uh, this morning. We don't know what his hobbies were. We don't know what he did. We don't know what his great works of faith were. But what we know is that Enoch was a man who for 300, over 300 years walked with God in faith. And that's what he's remembered for. That's what, that's what stands out. And if we're not careful, if you're reading through Genesis, we get to that point in the names, right? You start seeing all these crazy names. So-and-so fathered so-and-so and lived so many years, and then he died. And so-and-so fathered so-and-so and then lived so many years, and then he died. And sometimes we'll hit that point where we're like, all right, there's nothing here. We'll skip over it. Right? We'll, I'll just skip to the next part where we hit a story or something. We, we miss out on some of the little details. And I think it's cool. You know, while reading the names is challenging, you start to see the way that God is lining up his people, choosing his people, and lining them uh, throughout history. And we would miss this thing about Enoch, right? If you skipped over that, you would miss the whole part that this dude never died. 
And that's a pretty cool fun fact, right? If you, if you were to be talking with someone and say, hey, did you know there's a dude who didn't die? God just took him away. Well, that's a cool, that's a cool story. But the author of Hebrews draws our attention back to Genesis chapter 5 and says, while this may be something that on the surface we look at and say there's nothing here, let's breeze over it, it's just a bunch of names, there's something to be drawn from it. And so we're going to look at Enoch's testimony today, a testimony that this man, being remembered not for what he did, but for his faith and walking with God, now a couple thousand years later, is still being talked about, is still being an encouragement uh, to the, the Christian world today. So I want to talk three things that Enoch's testimony reminds us uh, to do. And the first is to call on the name of God. Enoch's testimony reminds us to call on the name of God. Why? It wasn't recorded in there that Enoch did such and such a thing and, and God was pleased in that. It's recorded that Enoch had faith. And the cool thing about faith and the crazy thing about faith is that it's a gift from God, right? Ephesians chapter 2 says that uh, we're saved by uh, grace and it's a gift by faith. It's a gift from God so that no one can boast, right? Enoch couldn't go and boast and say, well, look what I did. I went and found all this faith, and then I was able to walk by this faith. But it says that, uh, that faith is a gift from God. It's something that's given of God. And as we know with gifts, if gifts are something that are earned, then it's no longer a gift, right? We learn this in Romans. It, it then becomes a wage, something due to you, a payment that you've deserved. So faith is something given freely of God to us by God, not something that we've earned or merited on our own. And uh, therefore, we have no responsibility in it. So then the glory goes back to God, right? So this man, Enoch, while he's in the Bible, he's, he's not in the Bible for us to look at him and praise his name. It's not for us to say, hey, Enoch did something good. You know, let's, let's all just be like Enoch. But really, we're, we're here to say God is good. God is great, right? Because God has given Enoch faith. And the fact that Enoch is commended and pleased God through his faith shows that the glory goes all to God, right? God is working through his people to glorify himself. And so that is a, a great reminder for us uh, this morning that um, faith is something given to us. And in our passage in Hebrews, it says, um, if you look in there in verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him. So as we live here today, and we desire as Christians to please the Father, the only way we please the Father is through faith which the Father gives us. So it's, it's a stewardship of the gift that God has given to say that God has uh, saved me by his grace, and now I glorify him, not in the merits that I deserve on my own, but in his own goodness, he can now be glorified in my life. What a great testimony to the, the greatness of God. Again, not like Billy Graham, Enoch's not going to be a guy who's like, yeah, look what I've done for the Lord. And the Lord doesn't want us to focus on those things, or he would have given us some of those things to, to commend him for. But he says, Enoch walked with God in faith, and that pleased the Lord, that each of us might please him. But it also says uh, that we need to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We believe that God is, right? And to believe that God is isn't the idea of going and saying, you know, I believe that God exists, that's, that's not believing that God is. Believing that God is isn't going and saying, I believe that God is like this, this, or this, right? And we conjure up in our own uh, desires kind of what we imagine God to be like uh, because that's, that's really creating an idol, 
We're creating a God in our own interests and our own desires, not the God that's communicated in the Bible. But to believe that God is, is to uh, take what God has claimed of himself, what he has told us of himself in Scripture, and to believe it by faith that it is true. That God is the God that he says he is, even when we can't wrap our minds around that. You know, to... One of the things I struggle the most with is to imagine or try to wrap my mind around the idea that God has existed outside of time. But God has existed before the creation of time. So he doesn't exist just within the confines of time, which is all that we understand. But we believe in faith that God has existed outside of time. So we believe and trust in the God who is the creator of all things. So we call in the name of God, and Enoch's testimony reminds us to call in the name of God, because apart from him, we don't please God, we don't live a, a, a life marked by faith in God, we don't have any fruitful ministry apart from God. We call in the name of God because it's in his name alone that we have salvation, right? The second thing is uh, we learn to, or reminded to cultivate godly habits. It says that Enoch walked with God. It doesn't say that he hung out with God. If you were to say that someone, if I were to talk about hanging out with someone, it implies the fact that I don't always spend time with them, but Enoch walks with God. It's a communication of a, a daily habit, part of our daily lives. And right, Isn't that such a great reminder? That in our daily, daily lives, we walk with Jesus Christ. It's not something that we do on Sundays. It's not something we do in preparation for Sundays. It's not something we do as a part of our small group time or whatever it is. But we walk with God as a part of our daily life. That everything we're doing throughout life is walking with the Lord. It's a part of getting up. It's a part of getting ready for your day. It's a part of planning out your days. It's a part of the activities that you do. It's a part of ending your days. It's a part of the conversations that you have with people throughout your day. It's part of your everyday life, that we love God and we walk with him in faith. I want to talk about two ways. You know, we, we talk about Enoch, and it's like there's not a whole lot in the Bible about Enoch. So you're trying to figure out, what do you talk about with Enoch? And you're going off very little, but then you learn that Enoch walked with God, and you're like, okay, well, what does it mean to walk with God? And now all of a sudden you have a whole lot, right? And you're like, okay, now how do you narrow down what it means to walk with God? And so um, we're going to spend about four hours here this morning, and we're going to look at four different things that it means to walk with God. Um, no, we'll do two, okay? I'm going to try to boil it down into two ideas that are very kind of umbrella ideas uh, that go into uh, what it means to walk with God and to cultivate godly habits. And the first, as we see, is to, is to seek God. It's to seek God. And I was thinking about this, you know, um, some of you this morning maybe couldn't find your keys. And you're thinking, I've got to get to church, but I've got to get the keys to get to church. And so if it wasn't this morning, you probably had this at some point in your life. And you're looking all over the place for the keys, everywhere. And you're starting to get like anxious about it. You're like, I want to find the keys. And you're looking everywhere you could possibly think of to find the keys. And you have no idea where they are, but you, you become totally consumed with this idea of finding the keys. Right? What if that's a picture of what it's like to seek God? I was also thinking about my dog, okay? I love my dog. She's a, she's a cool dog. And her name's Stella. And Stella and I will play hide-and-seek. And it's more so I hide and she seeks. And so I'll, I'll get her all riled up like we're going to play, and then I'll tell her, okay, sit. And she's like so focused 
on me in that moment. So I'll tell her to sit there and just stay. And then I'll run off someplace, and I'll go hide. I'll hide in closets, behind doors. I'll hide under blankets, anywhere. I'll go hide somewhere. Once I get to my hiding spot, I'll say, okay, Stella. And she'll come running and try to find you. And she just walks everywhere. And you could tell she is just totally, completely focused on finding me. Right? And as she's searching, you just hear her little, like, paws pattering all over the floor, going here, going there. You hear her sniffing. And she is totally focused on finding me. And then when she finally does find me, she doesn't, she's not like, okay, this is boring. I'm done. She's like, I found you. Like, I imagine in her dog head, she's like, I found you. I thought you were gone, but I found you. And she gets so excited. She'll, like, jump up at you like it's, like she saw you for the first time in years. And she'll, like, roll over on her side and just want you to, like, love on her, right? Her reward in seeking me is that she found me. What a great picture of it is to seek the Lord, right? If we were to seek the Lord the same way my dog seeks after me when she's playing hide-and-seek, where we become consumed in finding God, not for the benefits that it necessarily brings us, but the, the joy and the reward in finding Him. That He promises that when we seek Him, we will find Him. And everything about us becomes so focused on pursuing this relationship with God and, and, and marching forward and seeking Him out in the everyday parts of our life. You know, we're seeking Him in Scripture. We're, we're mulling over this Bible and we're saying, God, show me Yourself, right? Show me who You are. Show me Your words that I might know You better. We, we seek after God in, in coming to church and, and fellowshipping with other believers, right? Because we get to have a great fellowship with other people who know the Lord and people who have had experiences that you and I may not have had. And we get to share in those experiences as we share. That's why I always tell uh, people, like, your testimony's cool. It's a very cool thing. Whether you feel like you've got that, like, 180 testimony where it's like your life totally radically changed or you're like the person who grew up in church and you're like, I don't really have a testimony. So you have a testimony. You have a walk with the Lord that you get to share with other people as an encouragement. Embrace that. Share it with people because we're seeking out the Lord in all that we do. And I think one thing at times that, that hinders, hinders people from seeking the Lord is feeling intimidated that we can't really find Him right? You're, some people are at times uh, intimidated from reading the Bible because I could never understand what this says. I've got to go to school to figure out what the Bible says. Well, what if you opened it and you started reading it and, and you prayed that God would teach you and, and that he would, uh, he would illuminate the truths of Scripture in your life and, and you started to read the words of Scripture and you're like, wow, I'm starting to see things I never understood before. I, I get he answered this. And I was so encouraged this last week at youth group. I was listening to, I have a, an intern working with me at the Sugar Grove campus. And I was uh, sitting in in the small group time, just kind of observing him and how he was doing. And, and he said to those oh, sixth grade boys, we were talking about looking at the, the Bible as a big story, right? Not just a bunch of the little stories, but what God is, God's big plan is and, and seeing the little stories, how they fit in that. And he was saying to these sixth grade boys, you know, sometimes we feel like we can't study God's word. Or we hear people say we need to study God's word. I'm like, I don't even like studying for school. And, and we get this bad idea of studying. He's like, you know what studying God's word is? It's opening up. It's reading it. And it's asking questions. As you're, as you're reading the Bible, ask a question of it. And then as you keep reading, pay attention because it'll probably answer that question that you had. And then you start to see, I just studied the Bible. You didn't have to get a four-year degree to do that. You just had to get a Bible and a brain. That's the hard part for some sixth-grade boys, but they can do it. But we can seek God, right? 
seek God in our lives with, with a, a passion that, that comes from the joy of finding him and learning more about him. So we cultivate godly habits in seeking God. Secondly, by surrendering to God. We surrender to God. And that's something I was uh, so encouraged by the song we were just singing. That I, I give it all to the king, right? I give him my life, everything about our lives. This is one of those things that we hear it all the time. And yet, as, as fallen creatures, how often do we hold on to stuff so tightly? We're like, yeah, we want God to rule my life. We want him to, to take control and to lead and to guide. And I want God to do amazing things uh, through me for his kingdom's sake, for his glory's sake. But then we're like, but you know what? I kind of like this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to it a little tightly. Like, maybe God can do everything with this, like, 98% of my life, but this 2%, I'm going to hold on to that. Like, that's, that's mine. You know, God can work with the 98. But it's surrendering the, the totality of our lives, right? Our time. You know, surrendering your time to God. And that, that's a scary thing, right? Because think of how many different things pull for our time in life. There's a bazillion different things that we could be doing on any given day. There's, there are so many different things you guys could be doing right now, but instead you're here. You've come to church, and you've surrendered this time to the Lord. What if we were to ask God, show me how you'd like me to use my time all the time, right? And maybe he's going to say to get plugged into something, and not just a, a ministry at church, but maybe it's in your community. He says, you know what, I need you to go and, and be part of this. Because there's somebody there who needs to hear about me, and I want to use you to do that. And sometimes we'll hold on tightly to you know, our uh, schedules, the way we like them, the way we want them to be. And, and what if we, we miss out on some of the, the blessings of God because we hold too tightly? What if we held our time like this and said, all right, God, here it is. Okay, Take it, mold it, use it how you want it to be. Direct me, guide me, put me where you need me for your kingdom's sake. He might put you in some places you didn't expect to be. He might have you do some things you didn't plan to do. But you might be surprised with the outcome and the blessing that you'd get to receive in doing it. But also uh, your resources. And again, this is something that as it comes up, we surrender our resources, not just your money, but how many things has God given you that you could turn around and use for his kingdom's sake? If you're living at a, at a home, you've got a kitchen table, right? What if you invited people into that home to that kitchen table, and you ate with them. Simple as that. Eating meals with people, listening to people's stories. At that table, you could do great things like uh, play games. You, can, uh, you may find yourself at times counseling somebody at that table, sitting down and saying, hey, here's where we're at in life. I, I want to help you out. It may be just sharing your story with someone and be a blessing to them in that, but get people at your table. Welcome people into your home. Use your home as an opportunity to glorify God. Use your vehicles as an opportunity to glorify God. Use anything you have as an opportunity to glorify God. As uh, we just talked about, there was the garage sale, right? We've all got a bunch of stuff. And lots of people took advantage of this opportunity to say, here's my stuff that I don't need, I don't use. I'm going to use this stuff to glorify God, and I'm going to give it to the garage sale. that Somebody else might benefit from it. Using your stuff to glorify God, surrendering your things. Um, and this is important because we've got to remember that, you know, as we cultivate godly habits, it's not just for the sake of doing, right? But James teaches that faith without works is dead, right? You prove your faith in your works. 
So if God has given us faith, it's our duty as, as wise stewards of this faith to live it out, to act upon it, to lend a helping hand. Don't just look at someone, and, and as James says, look, someone who's cold and say, I wish you to be warm, I wish you to be fed. But he says, feed them, give them a coat, do something. Your faith uh, produces action. So if we're sitting here and we're saying, I've got faith in God, but I have no godly habits to define my faith, then perhaps your faith is dead. Cultivate those godly habits. I read a book when I was in college um, by a guy named Sky Jathani, and uh, the book was called With. And uh, it was an interesting idea of this book. I'm like reading, and he talks about all these different ways that we look at our relationship with God. And we'll, we'll live life for God. We'll live life from God and all the different uh, aspects. And, you know, as we think about these things, when you, when you get into the, the practicality of, like, when I, when I have the mindset that I'm going to live life from God, well, what does that lead me to? And he, he spells all these things out, but to, to boil it down to the end, he says, you know what, as believers, we're called to live life with God, Right? God desires to have a relationship with us. He desires to walk with us. And Enoch walked not from God, not for God, but with God. He had a relationship with him. That God desires those things. And what an encouragement for us to walk with God daily in our lives. And our last thing this morning is we're reminded from Enoch's testimony to continue in our walk with Christ. And I would, I would tell you this. Have any of you guys read the book of Hebrews all the way through, like in one sitting? It is such a cool book, all right? If you've not done it, that's, like, that's your homework for this week, all right? It took me 45 minutes to an hour, sit down, read all 13 chapters in one sitting, and you'll start to see that this, this book is so fascinating. As it takes the, the person of Christ, the Hebrews is uh, written to uh, some Jewish believers who are clearly kind of struggling with this idea of going back to Judaism or following Christ. And it starts from the very, very beginning of the book, pointing to Jesus. And as you follow the, the thought process through this book, it, it communicates so much about this person, Jesus, and, and how he was the great high priest, as we talked about a little bit ago. As he instituted a greater covenant. The, the, the law wasn't it, but the law shows about Christ and, and pointing towards this Jesus and constantly talking about him and how now we have faith so we can have confidence because Jesus is now our mediator. He goes, he's at the throne room of God. We can come confidently to the throne room of God. And that's what he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 10. And then he goes in and talking about you're doing that through faith. And here's all these people who had faith. And by the way, all these people didn't even get to know Jesus. They were looking ahead in faith to the coming of a Messiah. And yet they walked with the Lord. Yet they had faith. And so we're encouraged to continue on as, as the writer of Hebrews is challenging his followers, continue on with Christ. Don't turn back. Look at Jesus. He is it. This is the big picture right here. Jesus Christ. Continue walking with Jesus. Don't turn back. Don't give in to all the lies. That you would continue to see and enjoy the new covenant in Christ's blood. We just took communion, right? The, the reminder for us of the new covenant in Christ's blood. Keep pushing forward in that. Enoch walked with God, right, for over 300 years. And I'm thinking it's pretty safe to say that that's longer than any of us are going to walk with God in this life. Okay? And as human life testifies, 
I am sure that there were lots of struggles, lots of hardships that happened in 300 years. Think about the, la- the hardships that you've experienced in the last five years, in the last 10 years. In 300 years, I'm sure there was a lot. I'm sure there were a lot of things that pulled on Enoch, but Enoch walked with God for 300 years in this life. Let us continue walking with the Lord where you're at. Watch for the, the false uh, teachings. And, and I would go far to say that the false teachings are not just teachings that are false about God, but uh, really, or, or, or false teachings that sound spiritual, but false teachings are, are those teachings that would draw you away from God. And they're all around us when you think of it. When you start to pay attention, there's a, a million things that are, are trying to pull you away from Christ. Be aware of those things. Don't give in to those things, but continue on. Be able to identify them. Be able to combat against them. Continue with Christ through the hard times, through the questions. Seek Him out. Pursue a relationship with Him because we know that we have a reward. That reward is is knowing Him, is finding Him, enjoying a relationship with God now. When you think about the greatness of that gift in and of itself, what a, what a beautiful thing. We're fallen creatures. We screw up all the time. We've, we've just totally ruined everything. But God in His graciousness and His mercy and His love for us has given us that opportunity to have a relationship with Him. That He sent His Son to die on the cross, not because we deserved it, but because we completely didn't deserve it. And He loved us. And He's provided a way to restore that relationship. And it's in the person of Jesus, right? And we have that great gift. And sometimes I think we can take that for granted in the church. The longer we walk with God, sometimes we're like, it becomes like repeating news in our ears. But think about that, that great gift from God, that we have faith, that we have a relationship with Jesus. And you know, we have a hope that someday we will live in eternity with God. What a great hope that we have as believers. See, Enoch was just an ordinary dude. We don't know what he did, but he lived by faith. And he walked with God. And his living by faith pleased God. Let's be a a people, let's be a church that, that pleases God in our lives by walking in faith every single day. The whole world may not know our names, but that's okay. That's fine. They don't have to. But God knows your name. Walk with him in all things. What a reminder that it is our faith that we need to please God. And the irony being, we need God to please him.